TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We do welcome you to the two guys at a mic show, Stanley Cup Hockey. The Stanley Cup is over and the Cup is in Chicago, folk. What a game last night. The Blackhawk Cup hath runneth over. And we will be talking about the Cup the entire show with the coach. That's me, producer David Olsenith, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. What a win it was for the Blackhawk as they win it in overtime. Patrick Kane. With the goal, and nobody's talking about it. It seems like everybody's lost in all the different stories about the uh, Stanley Cup and the Blackhawks and everything. Very few people ever talking about that the Cup was won on what I guess in hockey terms would be called a soft goal. I mean, an extremely soft goal. Michael uh, Layton, the goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers, everybody here in Chicago was celebrating. I'd love to know what the mood is out in Philadelphia because their goalie, Michael Layton, uh, who played pretty well, not great, but pretty well overall under pressure. And his story has uh, been well documented, and it's a great underdog story. you got to love the kid. But he gave up just absolutely an inexcusable goal. I haven't heard anybody talking about that. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup in overtime on a goal that uh, I don't even want to say most high school goalies. Most junior high goalies could have said the softest of soft goals at a most critical moment. I haven't heard a lot of talk about that. A little bit surprised because of that. But uh, 888-463-6748. The phone number again, 888 Hawks win, Hawks win, Hawks win! 49 years since it's been done. 1961, 71, 81, 90. I think that's right. 49 years. 49 years. That's a long time. Blackhawks finally winning again. The goal by Patrick Kane. Another great game. Makita with the ball and puck over to Kenny Warren. Warren back to Stapleton. Stapleton over to Bobby Hall. Bobby Hall down the right wing. Bobby Hall lines it up. He shoots. He scores! Oh, that boy. Do they still play that song? That's not the theme song anymore. Huh? No, you'll still hear it, Coach. That, oh, big dog. How are you, buddy? Uh, coach, I, I am... I'm not very well right now. I am somewhere in an alley, face down. <laughs> but at least the newspaper that I'm reading has the it says the Blackhawks are the Stanley Cup champions. I don't remember much of the game. Oh my goodness! What a night! What a night! So apparently, uh, your cup hath runneth over just a bit, huh? Yes, for the first time ever, I could say that. Oh goodness, big dog! Great to talk to you. By the way, thanks for covering the uh, last. Uh, well, I guess it was on uh, Tuesday. I was not able to. Come in the last couple of days. You had it wrong, by the way. I wasn't coaching the Maccabi games. Get my coaching deals correct. Well, yeah, I was running the morning basketball clinic for the Fighting Raiders of North Shore Country Day, sacrificing my radio career to further the basketball team. Uh, thank you very much. But thank you for covering on Tuesday. You did a phenomenal job. Well, I don't know if I did a phenomenal job, to be quite honest with you. No, you're probably right, but i got to say that on the air just to build you up a little bit. But the Hawks win, my friend. I know you have been a long 
time, Chicago Blackhawk fan. You're a little hungover. You have no idea where you are right now, but can you put into words a little bit what that Hawk victory meant to you last night? Uh, well, you know, I was watching it with the whole production staff, like Tech Copic and uh, like like all the producers and stuff of Black and Blue City Coach. I'm not kidding you. When the when the goal went in, like I wasn't sure because the light the lamp didn't light up. But oh, I saw yeah. Kane like I was like, why is he skating with his hands over his head? Because he scored. That wasn't just you and the alcohol. Even those of us that were not uh, drinking during the game had the same, shall we call it, confusion at that moment. Oh, and uh, well, uh, well, I wasn't exactly sure what was going on at that particular moment, but uh, I was uh, thrilled is the best way that I could say. And, uh, you know, I was a diehard Blackhawk fan in the 80s and in the 90s, and then I eventually just got sick of, of Bill Wirtz, of strikes by hockey players. So, I, like, I went away. And the day he died, we were on air at our other show, and I was like, you know, I'm a Blackhawk fan again, and, you know, it, it means a lot to me, but I'm really thinking more about, like, my uncle, who legitimately watches every single Blackhawk game since the 1950s. Oh, this okay, is um, Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim. Yep. And, uh, you know, the first thing I did was immediately on the way home, I sent him a message. So, mm -hmm. um, And uh, I had a lot of different messages. With Apparently we lost Big Dog. What I was going to say is, he, you know, he probably sent a text message to Uncle Jim. What he doesn't know, I'm going to guess Uncle Jim's probably about 60 years old. And probably is not texting. So it was a nice text message. I doubt Uncle Jim uh, ever got it. Of course, Joel has a, a famous aunt, too. Aunt Naomi, who now that Auntie Naomi is the Stanley Cup winning goalie, not only is your Uncle Jim about to become famous big dog, hopefully we got you back, but your Auntie Naomi has to be celebrating her newfound stardom here in Chicago. Who's the newfound star, star coach? Your Auntie Naomi. Oh, Auntie Naomi. Oh, you know what? I, I just want to let you know something, Coach. She hit the sherry a little too hard last night, from what I understand. And I think she's in the alley across the street from where I'm at right now. Yeah. Did you, she wasn't the one that sent you the text, I'm naked, come over and party? No, that was not my aunt. Okay, I'm just checking. I'm just checking because I know you got a couple of those. By the way, you, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, Cinemax Cindy, your favorite emailer here. Now, the promise was if Dustin Bufflin, big buff, if he's got a hat trick, in a winning game, you were going to come in and do the show in the buff. Cinemax Cindy wants to know, now that the Hawks won the Stanley Cup, any chance Big Dog will come in and do the show in the buff? Uh, coach, uh, quite possibly, definitely. But uh, I don't think Dave Olson wants wants me to do it, and I would love to do it, but I'm thinking along the lines of Dave, and, and I'm not going to do that to him. Yeah. Well, there is a new product that they uh, have here. It's called a curtain. We could always put that. We could always put that up. That wouldn't help me any, but it would help producer extraordinaire David Olson. Big dog. Right before you came on, I talked about all the celebration, all the stories, and the talk, and the game, and all the extracurriculars. That I have heard very little discussion about the fact that the game-winning goal was the softest of soft goals. I mean, a goal that a junior high goalie could have made. And let, I mean, feel free to disagree with me, but it appeared to me to be just a major. Mistake by Michael Layton, and I don't hear much talk about that, but, uh, right? An extremely soft goal? You know, when you think about it, I guess you're right, Coach. I didn't even think about it. I haven't heard any commentators or anything, Coach, because I've been with friends. As soon as the game was done, I watched them, like, <laughs> pass the cup around, yeah. and I was in a, at a party where everybody was talking. And then since then, it's just been, you know... <laughs> I'm real, I mean, really, I'm not listening to the radio. I'm not watching anything on television. It's just uh, been me 
acting like a fool. <laughs> so, um, but you, you know, that's a good point. It, you know, I, right when it happened, I was like, wow, what accuracy, because he went right for the the hole that was open. That hole should not have been open. No. There's no reason There's no reason for his uh, Leighton to have, you know, a lot of people have been ripping the Emmy, saying, oh, he's out of position, he's not doing the right thing. Well, Leighton didn't do the right thing on the goal. That cost the Philadelphia Flyers a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and overtime in a game six would have been even worse if it was game seven, but, uh, you know, at the most critical moment, he gives up. And again, any of our fans out there, feel free to differ. But it appeared to me to be not just a, a regular softball, but an extremely soft goal. I wonder how much... Um, Flack, he is getting in Philadelphia. Our phone number here, if you want to check in, if you're from Philadelphia, uh, we'll be easy on you. We won't go. We won't trash talk on you. We'll take it easy on you. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight again. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. You mentioned Big Dog. You uh, you drank from a cup last night. Was there like a symbolic Stanley Cup that was being passed around? Uh, at the place that I ended up, yes, Coach. By the way. And the first thing, the first thing I, I, I asked when they were like everybody was drinking, I was like, "This is the one that Baba Booey pooped in," <laughs> and they assured me that it was a brand new Stanley Cup. Yeah. And it, it was, it wasn't fifty-five years old like yeah. the Stanley Cup. It was more like fifty-five hours old. By the so way, I, I relayed that story to my two kids and my wife. Uh huh. They were not pleased to hear that. <laughs> I kind of regretted, uh, and again, for those fans not aware, you and I'm assuming it was the truth. Yes, it is. Somebody it is. brought the cup to the Howard Stern show. Howard Stern and his true uh, luster thought it would be funny if his producer would take a number two in the Stanley Cup. Yes, yes. Was, and, was, and I'm almost positive it was either somebody from the Rangers or somebody from the New Jersey Devils, like either the 94 or the 95 Cup winners. So it was it was in the mid-90s when I would actually, every once in a while, still watch the Howard Stern show or listen to it. And... um I got to be honest with you, Coach. That was the last time I ever watched or listened to it. I'm not kidding you. When they, he did that, I was so disgusted. Not, not just because of the poop thing, just the fact that he would be so disrespectful. Yes. That I legitimately have never watched the Howard Stern show since that happened. It was Jackie. It wasn't Baba Booey. Okay. Uh, and it it may or may not have been a bet. It was never really confirmed whether or not he did a it. Bet? He said he did it. Oh, okay. A bit. A bit. B i t. It was okay. one of the it was one of the Rangers brought it up. Okay. Okay. It, it was never seen. It was one of those things where mm-hmm. oh he did it he did it we saw it he saw it but it was like you know. by the way that the blonde haired guy that uh, was polishing the Stanley Cup and has seen everywhere that the cup was. Do you get the, is it just me or is that guy uncomfortably close to the Stanley Cup? You know which guy I'm talking about? He's the security guy, isn't he? He, he looks like, uh, who was the, the animal guy, the animal lover guy at the TV show? Steve Irwin? Yeah, Steve yeah. Irwin. What did they call him? The gator? The uh, crocodile hunter. The cra- <laughs> he looked like the crocodile hunter, but uh, Big Dog, he was polishing that Stanley Cup in, in, a, in a way. Maybe it was just me, but it's slightly uncomfortable. Well, Coach, I mean, you realize that is his job. Okay, that's, that's all he does. Right. Like legitimately, he probably makes like seventy-five grand a year, and that's all he does. Yeah, he but better you're, be doing you're supposed to keep your love life and your job separate. <laughs> well, you do want somebody with a love of the cup if they're actually going to be the one polishing it. Well, love of the cup, yeah, but you know, when it goes from friendship to the next step, it's a little uncomfortable. You know, when it's man and cup, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> 888, <laughs> I'm getting all choked up here, 463, 6748. Who knows, do you even know where you're calling from? Have you 
got like a couple of cross streets? Maybe we can help you find your way home. Um, to be honest with you, my phone's going to die. Okay? It's, it is going to die soon. <laughs> and, uh, and I do, it's the whole line one thing. Drexel is just, and 39th. Drexel and 39th. Anybody yeah, that can I'm help. 39th and Drexel on the south side coach. <laughs> I, how come I'm the only one wearing a Hawks jersey? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Do you have all your clothing on? I mean, you're not missing any artifacts. You got your wallet. Your so you obviously got your cell phone. But uh, somehow I have my pants on, but I am missing my underwear. Really? My, my shoes are on and my socks are gone. I can't explain really? this. Shoes yeah. on, socks off. Your pants are on, but the underwear is gone. Yes. Must have been a hell of a night. But what the heck? Forty nine years. You might as well celebrate, right? <laughs> might be another fucking. Who knows what? Can you? What would happen if the Cubs win, Big Doug? You are a bigger Cubs fan than you are a Blackhawks fan. Have you even thought about what you would do to celebrate that long-standing, hopefully soon-to-be-coming Chicago Cup World Series? Uh, coach, no, but every single heroin uh, dealer in the whole city of Chicago is hoping it happens. So. <laughs> you are a sick, sick individual, you know, that big dog. I mean, like, seriously, as much fun as I had last night, I can't even imagine what would happen if the, if the Chicago Cubs won the, no. won the World Series. Well, I mean, it would... I don't even want to go down that particular street because it would be yeah. ugly coaches all the way that I could possibly say. You don't have to imagine. I'm going to guess a couple of Chicago Police Department detectives right now are imagining for you, Big Doug. By the way, it's spelled Radwanski, R-A-W-R-A-D-W-A-N-S-K-I, in case any detectives are listening. Oh, I, I do appreciate the fact that you're putting my name out there, Coach. But. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hawks winning. Yeah, you, you know, not only was yesterday a great game, and again, feel free to disagree, Big Doug, but I've been talking about this from the get-go. And, you know, we're caught up into it because it was the Blackhawks plan. But this was superb from game one to game six. And, and I can't think of a dog in the bunch. There were some better than others. But from an entertainment day, including last night, the tension, the hitting, the goaltending, the up-and-down-the-ice play, I can't remember a Stanley Cup that was, uh, again, not the most talented, but more exciting than this six-game series. I thought the Flyers and the Hawks put on a great show. Yeah, you keep on talking about how it wasn't that, like, that these aren't that talented of teams. I'm, I'm just not even going to go down that street anymore. I can't I believe you're saying that because this is like legitimately the, the Hawks are at the beginning of a dynasty is what's going to happen. Well, the beginning. And we're going to look back on this and be like, I can't believe these guys were 22 and 21 at one time winning Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, besides Game 4, because Game 4 was absolutely sickening to watch as a Hawks fan, but they end up coming back you know, and, and, and making it a good game. I, they, they were all fantastic. Man. I mean, last night, uh, and I was watching by myself, my stomach was just in that third period. And when they scored with about the five minutes left, did the Flyers the final five minutes of that third period and the first four minutes of the overtime just absolutely stomach twisting tension? It really was. It was pretty much that way right from the uh, opening puck drop in the first period. Great action back and forth. Such a, uh, I would think for the sport of hockey, it was great. You're going to pick up a lot of new fans. I would think from this playoff series. Oh, absolutely. It, it does help that you had. Uh, cities like Chicago and Philadelphia as uh, the representatives for it, um, but it, it, the way how well it was played, how how exciting it was, absolutely phenomenal. It, Gary Bettman is extremely extremely happy. And by the way, I want to say you know Gary Bettman has taken a lot of abuse. The way he got booed yes. yesterday when uh, the, the, the only part that I like post game that I watched was in when they were actually handing the cup over. Mm-hmm. 
Did you? I forgot exactly what he said because I have to admit everything's a little foggy right now for me. But when they started booing Batman, the Philadelphia fans, he handled it perfect. He was like smiling, like this is the exact <laughs> entrance I thought I would get. He like said something like that, and he smiled while everybody was booing him. Well, and I think he was very happy to give the the cut to the Chicago team <laughs> and not the Philadelphia. Team. Why I was trying to figure out why is Gary Bettman so unpopular? Why were the Philadelphia Flyers? Uh, fans booing the commission as he walked down the carpet. I, it was garbage. That was Bush League, by the way, is all I'm going to say about okay. it. So, And then I thought, you're right, Gary Bettman did handle a while after that somewhat little comedic quip. He then said, how about a uh, round of applause for the Philadelphia Flyers? I think he said for both teams who yeah, put on a did. great show. And then the Philadelphia fans did maybe two-thirds of them anyways, uh, you know, cheer. So they turned the boos into the cheers at that point. Well, uh, maybe they realize that they sounded pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. Could that be it? I don't know. What did you think about uh, Jonathan Taves getting the uh, his first announcement was to give the Con Smythe Trophy to Jonathan Taves winning the MVP? I think it's a it's a statement of the Chicago Blackhawk depth that it was. Uh, you could have given it to six or seven different guys. It wasn't like Taves clearly was the guy, but probably overall pretty good choice. You know, I, I, I guess, you know, you, you got to give it to him. I mean, I have no problem giving it to him, but, you know, Buffalo could have won it. Yep. Uh, heck, David Boland, Patrick Sharp, uh, Duncan Keith. I mean, all those guys played phenomenal. And uh, so Jonathan Taves didn't have like a big point, uh, like finals at least. You know, mm-hmm. he had that long streak and he was awesome in the playoffs, but he didn't have a lot of points in the finals. How many faceoffs did he win in the finals, though? Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? He won over seventy percent of the faceoffs. Faceoffs are a major part of uh, of hockey. You know, you, you have like you know who knows how many in the game, twenty to thirty, and if you get more possessions than the other team, you're going to win the game more than the other team. And again, uh, for those uh, fans, including myself, still a little bit unclear. The Conn Smythe MVP Trophy is not just. For the finals, it's for the entire playoffs, right? It's for the whole entire playoffs, coach, absolutely. Okay, so then I I think Jonathan Taves is a good choice. You forgot to mention two other guys. And, again, it's it's, it's a show of strength, of how good the strength of the Blackhawks is their depth. They don't have the – maybe the super, superstar, though Patrick Kane is close, but uh, so many guys could have won it. Marion Hossa and Antti Niemi, you didn't even mention those two. Well, I really don't think Hossa could have won it just because – he, had, he played very well. He played a lot better than his statistics show, but he really didn't score at all mm-hmm. during the playoffs. But Niemi definitely coached because not exactly during the finals. I thought he played well in the finals, but in the previous three series, he was standing on his head. So, but you know, you think of these goalies, they play every other day for a month and a half. And we're talking about the most extreme pressure in, uh, you know, as soon as they lose, it's always their fault. Uh, you know, if they get, like, if anything bad happens, and they have to play every other day, coach, and you have to win sixteen games. It, it's really phenomenal. The Emmy was ridiculous, and he definitely could have been the Consumite Trophy winner, also. Mm-hmm. Hawks winning in overtime, four to three, Stanley Cup, first time in forty nine years. Blackhawk fans, hockey fans, that's our uh, major source of discussion today. Give us a call, one hour show here. It's two guys and a mic, big dog and a coach. Eight 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 four six three six seven. Four eight, the phone number. You can always email us, of course, at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Big dog, let's go back uh, when you were a little bit more sober, back to the first period. And yeah. I thought it was an interesting, uh, severe 
severe contrast in strategic styles. In the first period, the Blackhawks came out clearly with no desire, as they did in earlier games, to hit or be physical. Joel Canville had told them, I thought it was clear, we're going to skate and we're going to pass, we're going to play to our strengths. On the other hand, in the first period, the Philadelphia Flyers came out with the strategy, and they hit, and they hit hard. As a Hawk fan, I was going like, come on, let's get back at them a little bit. We're just getting absolutely annihilated out there. So it was physical hockey versus skating. The shots on goal were something like 17-6 to for the Hawks, but it almost didn't feel that way because the Philadelphia was hitting so hard. But did you notice in the first period that, that severe contrast in styles? You know, and Coach, as well, the first thing that I said was, I'm loving this. Because yeah. uh, as much as I'm like the physicality guy and punch him in the mouth guy, the truth of the matter is the, the Blackhawks are a better skating team. And when scores of the game, when scores are seven four, you know they have a much better chance to win than when in three two games. Obviously, you know yesterday was a four three when it was more of a low scoring game, and they still figured it out. But uh, I like those those open ice games, those games where uh, they can skate and try to be free because technically they're better than Philadelphia. So. I didn't want to turn this into a slugfest, and 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 Kindle, Quindle didn't either, you know. So, um, I, I was pretty happy with what the is how the Hawks played. I, I was I had no problem with the fact that they weren't being as physical as Philadelphia coach. Didn't bother you at least a little bit that our guys were just getting, I mean, su- just smacked around, and we were not interested in responding. We were interested in skating. Well, yes, a- absolutely. I was happy about it. You know what? You're, you're in the Stanley Cup Finals, and their strength is the fact that they're faster and more skilled than people. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, these these guys are playing this way, so we got to play this way too. No, they, they were playing above that, and eventually it worked out for them. So now anytime you had a chance to hit somebody, they were putting some big hits on people. It wasn't like they didn't do it at all, Coach. I don't know if I'd agree with you. In game six last night, a couple. Previous games, I think the Blackhawks clearly showed, and even in the Vancouver series and the Nashville series, the Hawks proved they can play physical. I just think uh, I would disagree with you a little bit. Last night, a couple of hits, but for the most part, zero interest. Zero interest in physicality, and I think Joel Keenfield said, hey, our strength is speed and passing, and they played to their strength last night. The, the speed of the Hawks and their passing was uh, clicking beautifully last night, Big Dumb. Yes, oh no, without a doubt, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I, I have to agree with you on that one, Coach. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and the nice thing is, Big Dog, is we, uh, we'll continue talking Blackhawk Hockey Stanley Cup 49 years. First time in 49 years, I should say. But the nice thing is, now that the Cup is over, we can start to concentrate on uh, Slovakia, Algeria, and Greece, three World Cup soccer teams I'm concerned about. Well, I, I, I'm just worried about Algiers, Slovenia, and England. Ah, what did I say, Algeria? Yeah, you said Algeria, Slovakia, is, and Greece. <laughs> is Algeria a different country than Algiers? Um, there was some type of civil war, and they got rid of they got the A out and added the S. Really? Yeah. So it's the same. I'm pretty sure. So. Uh, let me ask you this, and, and, and if I'm getting too personal, feel free to let me know. Do you Algier? Uh, all the time, as much as I can. I try to do it with Al Greer if I had a chance. <laughs> he broke up with Tipper, so he's available. All right, oh, we'll take. I don't want to hear now. <laughs> we'll take quick break. None too soon, by the way. We should take a break about 15 seconds ago. Talkzone.com. Two guys, one mic. Back in 48 seconds.
Time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. And we're still as a public service trying to help my good partner, the big dog. If you are on Chicago's south side, anywhere near, I believe the coordinates are 39th and Drexel. The big dog has no idea how he got there. But uh, he does not have vehicle, needs to get back to Aurora, which is not exactly close. If he can help him out, 39th and Drexel, folks, that's where the big dog is. Dog, I'm just trying to uh, help you out as a community service, if nothing else. Did we, did we lose the big dog? Oh, Coach. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I had, to, I had to run from somebody. He kept yelling, <laughs> give me back my rabbit. So I, I, I don't know. He was looking at me like I was a piece of meat. I had to take off running, Coach. Sorry. Oh, goodness. 39th and Drexel, though. That's where you're at, right? Uh, well, I, I've, I don't know. Should I head south? Everywhere I go in the I, I basically went a block north. It got well, worse. No. I went a block south. It got even worse. I went east. That didn't help, Coach. I'm not yeah. exactly sure where my, I'm at now. My philosophy but, is when in doubt, go west, yo, man. Go west. Okay, because right now I'm at uh, 37th <laughs> and Stony Island. Is, yeah. Am I getting better? Uh, uh, no, but thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how I ended up over here, Coach. <laughs> David Olson, our producer, is shaking his head on the other side of the glass. Dave's only been with you six months. For you know, for me, it's been a nine-year journey, big dog, and pretty much every journey is like the one you had last night, where you have no idea how you got there, but it's kind of fun figuring out exactly what happened. I I went asked for directions at this gas station, yes. and this woman, her eyes popped out. I'm like, it looks like you saw a ghost, and she's like, I did. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm. A... <laughs> Do you mind if we dance with your dates? <laughs> All right, dog and a coach talking Stanley Cup hockey. Dial it up, folks. Blackhawk fans, time to celebrate. 888-463-6748. Now, you'd be very proud of me. Very proud of me. First of all, tremendous quandary last night. Uh, Suns, I mentioned this on the radio before, Suns junior high graduation. Yeah. Scheduled, obviously, way in event right smack in the middle of uh, game six of the Stanley Cup. So, originally what I wanted to do, I was going to tape one and go to the other. I wanted to tape the graduation and watch the hockey game. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, because not to my you can wife. have it for, for posterity. Posterity. Yes, I thought so. But, you know, it's junior high graduation. You know, eighth grade. Come on. Yeah, it's not like he's graduating from Yale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's not go. Where were you last night when the discussion was happening around 6 o'clock? I could have used your influence. Well, I don't think – well, your wife isn't going to listen to any part of my uh, – I don't know. Uh, my what do you call my, it? my wife, think? she's a big fan of you. She well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. But I don't think she's going to listen to me when it comes in terms of family decisions, Coach. Yeah. Well, you're probably right about that. She <laughs> likes you on the radio, though. She likes you a lot better than me, quite frankly, but that's a whole different story. So anyhow, uh, so i got to go to the graduation. All right. And then there's a big reception after the graduation, which goes uh-huh. for about you know, 20, 25 minutes. It's kind of fun because you see the kids that kids have coached, kids have known, my son's friends, obviously my son, the parents. So I did want to go to that. But – and then there was one of my uh, buddies were – have it a post-graduation party at his house where they were going to watch the Hawks game, which would have been, get there at 9 o'clock, the third period. Okay. Well, all right, the, you know, I, I'm too much of a fan. This is game six. I need to watch the entire game. All right, so here's what I did. You'd be very proud of me. I, You know the uh, kind of signs that the limousine drivers have in the airport when they're trying to notify somebody? Yeah. Right? All right, so I made up... <laughs> I made up one of those signs that said, no Hawk talk, please. I'm taping the game. 
So after okay. after the graduation is over, I go into the reception room and I'm holding up the sign like the limo driver. So I'm talking to people, but before they could be before I could converse with them, I had to make sure they saw the sign. So I'm holding up the sign. You got the picture? Yes, yeah. yes. So, <laughs> and did you have the chauffeur hat on? Because that really no, would have been... <laughs> I didn't have the chauffeur hat on. Okay. I, my son was really mad at me. He thought I was, you know, being a complete idiot. But I honestly, I I wanted to watch the entire game. I would have to agree with your son yeah. a little bit. So I'm in the crowded room talking to people. I got the sign up. You know, some people were laughing at me, and some thought I was a complete idiot. Hopefully, it was close to fifty-fifty, probably more eighty-twenty to the negative. And then I got I got out of the big reception, big dog. Without hearing, which people told me beforehand, everybody said, no, there's no way. Forget about it. Just watch the third period at the party. I said, well, you know what? I might not, but I'm going to try. I got out of the entire thing, walking to the parking lot. There's about three or four people around. Some idiot on the handphone tells me to score. <laughs> uh, killed me. But I'm I still. Sorry, coach. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's too bad. I still, you'll be very proud of me, skipped the party, went home in the comfort of my own home. Uh, I watched the entire game in its entirety by myself. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, the game wasn't over with when the guy told you the score. It, it was not. Okay. But, you know, I I wanted to watch the game from the start, and I'm glad I did because it was such a phenomenal game. But, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, how often do you get to watch a, a team quench? So I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. You might have looked like a little bit of a freak, <laughs> but um, to be honest with you, I think it was worth it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Big Dog. All right, what other things, uh, do, if you remember back to the game yesterday, any other uh, thoughts on the game? You had Patrick Kane's game-winning goal. One beautiful goal by the Blackhawks. I'm trying to remember. It was uh, from Duncan Keith over to, I forget who it was, and then they over to Patrick Sharp yes, for the yes. goal. Oh, that, that was beautiful. The passing was incredible. Yes, coach. that was Blackhawk hockey. If you could pick one goal to symbolize what the Hawks were all about this year, I think that would be it. Okay, that definitely went. And also, John Merson's goal. You're talking about a guy that played awesome all playoffs, had a horrible game, cost him a game, and then he comes back and plays great in the game five and then has a, a huge goal in game six. So mm-hmm. a lot of symbolic goals yesterday, Coach. One of my favorite players. One, and he's got the silent H, too. I'm a big fan of the silent letter, as you well know. But uh, Nicholas Jomerson became one of my favorite players. Did you see the hit he took midway through the first period? Oh, it was ridiculous. And by the way, the flyer got his helmet knocked off like uh, about a minute afterwards, so there was some retaliation, Coach. Yeah, but Chalmerson just got smashed into the glass nose first. I thought he was going to be out for the game. Goes to the bench, comes back, and plays a superb game. I really like that guy. That guy is uh, quietly tough, understated. But he is um, – I know he didn't grow up in the city of Chicago, but he's got that blue-collar Chicago work ethic that I think the fans can really appreciate. Yeah, he's from Steeden, Coach, and he does IKEA yep. commercials. Yeah, but I think we should put an H in front of uh, everybody's name in the Hawks in honor of Nicholas Jalmerson. Uh, Patrick Kane was superb as always, even when he doesn't score goals. He is so fun to watch, so creative. His uh, puck handling, his ability to stop on the dime, he's trying to liken him to a basketball player. Jason Kidd, would that be a comparison? Not a bad, that's not a bad comparison, Coach. Maybe a little bit of Allen Iverson? Well, he's more of a shooter, more of a scorer. But, yeah, Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. somebody that is small and very, very quick. Mm-hmm. But Jay- I mean, Nate Archibald. I think Jason Kidd's more of a comparison because Iverson was more about scoring. Patrick Kane can score, but he is so deft, so quick, so adept at driving through the defense and beautifully setting up teammates that maybe 
maybe the Jason Kidd comparison is the best. Yeah, and their shooting percentages are about the same. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Kidd shoots about 38% from the field. Uh, Patrick Kane shoots about 25% from the ice. Oh, goodness. What was your uh, reaction? Hopefully you were sober enough. Uh, and you, you were, so you were with Chet Kopic when the Hawks actually won? Uh-huh. What was Chester's reaction? He um, put his hands in his face, and he sobbed a little bit, and he just was smiling ear to ear. Mm-hmm. I was jumping up and down. I was hugging uh, Chris Shaw, the producer. I was high fiving this little girl, his daughter Sophie. It was it was a really good time, Coach. What what bar were you at? We were at the at the studios at the Central Coast Production Studios. Okay. And they busted out this gigantic television, and they put a refrigerator full of beer. And they're like, "We got plenty of beer for all night. We don't have to worry about it." They didn't realize that I was there, so mm-hmm. they ran out of beer, Coach. Beautiful. Forty nine years, and you get to celebrate next to Chet Kopic. I don't know if that's the Dream you had when you thought about winning the Stanley Cup, but uh, Chet in his elation did not reach out and grope you by any chance, did he? No, no. There were plenty of women there to be groped on, Coach. Okay, just check. So, is Chet a married man, by the way? Uh, no, no. Uh, Chet is not a married man, but you know, he was Chet a married does man. well for himself is the best way for me to put it. He's actually famously divorced. Famously? Who did he marry? Chet uh, DeVore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, his his, so his divorce was kind of a scandal. Okay. So his wife is not famous, but all right, we're not going to go there. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Let's celebrate the Stanley Cup. But uh, Big Dog, as you watch the Cup being run around the rink with players are raising it up and kissing it, we talked about this on Monday's show, there there truly is no greater trophy, is there, in all the uh-huh. sports in the Stanley Cup? Absolutely not. Jonathan yeah. Tate gets a trophy for the MVP of the playoffs, and yep. he smiles and he points at his teammates and is like, I got this because of you. And then they have him hoist up the Stanley Cup, and he's smiling ear to ear, and he looked like the happiest man on the planet, Coach. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the greatest feeling for a uh, hockey player, the dream of all kids. How about the the year that Jonathan Taves had? He mm-hmm. wins Olympic gold. I think he was named the MVP of the Olympic Games, right? And then he wins the Stanley Cup, and he wins the Conn Smythe as the MVP. I mean, that might be the single greatest year that a hockey player has ever had, Big Dog? Am I going too far? Well, what else can you do in a year? So I guess, um, I mean, certainly you had like, years where Wayne Gretzky scored 92 goals and he won the Stanley Cup and the league MVP, but uh-huh. they weren't playing in the Olympics at that point. You know what I mean? So it, if he would have won the overall league MVP coach, mm-hmm. yes, it probably you couldn't you couldn't do any better than that because that, w- that would have been the whole thing. It's gold, Stanley Cup, Consmite and then league MVP. So um, either way, coach, it was it was a phenomenal, phenomenal year. And so he's done all that, like you said. He's only twenty two, by the way. Yeah. And uh, when um, he was getting the the trophy, he said, "This is the greatest moment of my entire life. Well, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in hockey." Yeah. So he won. He's won Olympic gold, and he still said this was the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. So. Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. You ask a hockey player, I would think a Stanley Cup would pretty close, and there'd probably be some differentiation. But I would think if you pull the players, uh, a larger majority, if you could only win one in your life, would pick the Stanley Cup over Olympic gold. Yeah, that's it's. it's I guess it's maybe where you're from too. Because mm-hmm. if you're from like Canada, or the United States, I guarantee. I wouldn't say I guarantee, but more likely, I think people would say Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. If you're from like. Uh, Slovakia or something like that. I, I could understand where they'd be like, you know, winning a gold for my country 
would make me beyond a legend. You know, it's so I guess it would be from where you're from, Coach. That would make a huge difference. Beautiful. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a Coach at your service up until uh, 11 o'clock. By the way, outside the hockey world, just outside the Chicago, there's a place called Illinois. Uh, other sports happening, uh, apparently, apparently Big Dog Nebraska is going to uh, join the Big Ten Conference. I don't know if you're aware of that now that you're at 37th in Stony Island, still trying to figure out where you are, but it looks like Nebraska will be the 12th team of the Big Ten. Um, is it, it's official. And no. now is, is, is Missouri coming with them, too, and they're going to have 14 I, teams? I don't think it's uh, completely official, but it's strongly rumored. And, and no, okay. not Missouri, just Nebraska. So, oh, man. The, so Missouri's going to be out in the cold then. Because if that happens, if Nebraska leaves, I'm almost guaranteeing you those other six teams are going to go to the Pac-10. Mm-hmm. And then, so teams like Missouri, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas State, they're going to be out in the cold, Coach, and they'll have nowhere to go. Well, the realignment will be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they figure it out, because the Pac-10 is going to pick up... Six teams. Yeah. They're going to have a coastal division and like a... A southwestern division or something like that. Yeah. It's going to be Arizona, Arizona State, plus the six teams that they add versus the original Pac-8. Is the, the Pac-10 is not going to have like the earthquake division, are they? The ones closest to the coast? Um, I that's not a bad idea, right there. The, <laughs> they call it the, you know, like right through the fault line. And what they're going to do with the Big Ten is they're going to have two divisions yes. of it too. They're going to have the uh, it, it's east the, and west. Is it east and yeah. west? Well, that's yeah. again nothing's official, but that's what supposedly is going yeah. to happen. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that's what they were calling yeah, it. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Penn State will be in the East. What do you think? I'm I would have to say so. <laughs> it's it's going to be it's Penn State, yeah. uh, Indiana, yep. Ohio State, uh, uh, Michigan, and Michigan State. I Possibly, think are both yeah. over Min- there. Minnesota would be West. Iowa would be West. Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There's your East West. All right, so. Oh. Uh, It'll be interesting. Conference realignment is going to affect uh, certainly this couple of sports we love, college basketball and college football. Yeah, little... The Big Ten said they weren't going to have a, a, a title game, though, so they kind of have to. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, if you have a 12-team league, you almost have to have yeah. a championship game, yeah. which not... should be played at, at Soldier Field every single year, by the way. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm for that, but I think if they do go two divisions, I think it's almost definitive that they'll have that uh, Playoff game. Other news and notes that uh, titillating tidbits that have got lost in Stanley Cup fever real quick. Uh, you mentioned Jonathan Taves at age 22. This kid's, what, 21 years old. Talk about the debut of the new young pitching sensation, Steven Strasburg. 14 strikeouts, big dog, in his opening game. Unbelievable. Coach, the world of American sports has been going crazy the last couple of days. And uh, I don't care if you're a Cup fan, White Sox fan, any type of fan. You should have been watching that kid the other day. MLB, that channel, does they do it right, Coach, and they make sure they get all the big stuff on television. Mm-hmm. That game was phenomenal. It was mind-boggling to see somebody dominate like that, to be quite honest with you, Coach. I, I was blown away by how good the kid was. I did, you know, I expected him to be good, and I expected him to have great stuff, You know, just because you, you hear so much about him and they're always showing highlights of the kid. But to be as poised and as composed as he was, yep. it was unbelievable. And all the expectations on the kid, no one has ever had an 11-plus strikeout game with no walks in their major league debut. Yeah. The kid had 14 strikeouts and no walks, and he did it in 94 pitches. That second part of it is important to remember. Zero walks. 
I mean, only four hits allowed. Yeah. Nobody really hit the ball hard except for the guy. Well, two guys did in the inning that he gave up the home run. He gave up a line drive single, and he gave up uh, the home run. But he faced 24 batters. He struck out 14. Four got a walk, and six other guys, I mean, four got a hit, and six other guys, like, popped up and and grounded out weekly. It, it was it was one of the best pitches. Adam Dunn was not joking. He said it was the best pitching performance he'd ever seen. I'd definitely put it in the top ten of pitching performances I've ever seen. Coach. I tried to hit the – here's how fast this guy throws. Steven Strasburg, 21 years old now, pitching for the Washington Nationals out of Stanford, California? Uh-huh. San Diego State, Coach. San Diego State, close enough. Out there in the, uh, they're part of the earthquake division, I believe. But um, I tried to actually putting the game, uh, putting his pitches in slow motion. Even in the slow motion on the DVR, he still was pitching fast. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't get the slow mo to work. It's unbelievable. The ball just flies out of his hand. It, a little bit reminded me a little bit. I hate to jinx the guy. Reminded me a little bit of Mark Pryor, but he throws even faster than Harder. Pryor. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, it's, I, I see. You know, he's definitely he's right around Mark Pryor in terms of height, but uh, I think he's more like Harry Wood type of stuff because yeah. like it's a huge fastball, huge curveball. Mm-hmm. Except he's got a changeup which Harry Wood never had. Mm-hmm. And you know, when Harry Wood made his debut in 1998, yep. do you know who the manager of the Chicago Cubs was? I believe it was Lou Burdett. No, he actually <laughs> has not taken over the the reins of the team yet, Coach. Oh. It was Jim Riggleman. Wow. Who was manager of the of the Washington Nationals. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Did not get and, that connection. Yeah, well, yeah, I did. I was like, you know, Riggleman was the coach of the, of the Cubs when Kerry Wood came up. And uh, and he he has said, like, all the right things you possibly can. Nobody has brought up the connection yet. I haven't heard anybody do it nationally. But, you know, he's like, I want to make sure that this kid is handled right. I'm not going to push him too much. You know, and, and I've really talked to him and tell him to be – open and honest with me about whether he's hurt or not, you know, so, you know, he's, you got a manager with some experience dealing with a, a young phenom. Yeah. One thing Steven Strasburg does not have or did not have that Kerry Wood did have is a high school coach that made him throw like 220 pitches in one day. So maybe he won't get the sore arm that Kerry Wood did. All right. Uh, next on the line, how about Lakers and Boston Celtics? Again, we're going to get back to the Hawks here, but just real quick, some other things that have happened the last couple of days. Game four, the playoff, the road game. The road team, Big Dog, has won two out of three. It's at Boston tonight. The Lakers uh, responded in game three like a championship team should. Uh, that was uh, – how could Ray Allen go 8 for 11, Coach? Yep. 32 points, and they go 0 for 13 the next day. 0 for 13. Wow. It's you called. Know, I, said the, I said the series was going to go back and forth. Yep. Celtics win game four. I'm, I'm guaranteeing they win game four. Coach. Okay. That'd be kind and of fun. And the fact that Derek Fisher cried. He cried after game three, coach. I have no problem with a grown man crying. You don't cry after game three. Okay. Unless it's the best <laughs> of three. Okay. The, I mean, the man had a, a daughter who almost died yes. when he was playing for Utah. He came back and he wasn't crying. Okay, he has a dying daughter, doesn't cry about it. He scores a couple points in a game three that doesn't even clinch the series, and he starts bawling about it. Come on, mm-hmm. suck it up and be a man. You might be right. I've always found that uh, you might be right, but you might be wrong. But either way, you'd probably be crazy. But I've always found it hard to criticize somebody when they're crying because crying is one of the most rawest of emotions for a male, particularly for an athletic male, Mr. Machismo. It's even maybe a little bit tougher 
So I've always struggled when I hear people such as yourself in different situations criticize a guy for crying. I don't know if you control it. And you know what? It's raw emotion, and I love raw emotion. So I'll, I'll go on the opposite end with you on this particular one. I, I, I didn't see Derek Fisher cry, but if he did, that's pretty cool. No, no. Ooh, no ooh, you had me, and then you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a grown man crying, Coach. I really don't. Yes. And I expected to see tears from the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday and from the Philadelphia Flyers. That stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not after game three, Coach. You don't cry after game three. Yeah. So – what about yeah, as, now, all of a sudden, I've made it. To, I've made it the forty-first in Jeffrey coach. And when I was walking past, that, somebody said, "What up, man? There ain't no crying in basketball." So, forty-first in Jeffrey. By the way, our producer David Olson, I wasn't here, but apparently uh, was uh, crying rather profusely after Tuesday's show, which you co-hosted by yourself. I felt really bad for Dave that day. I really did. Yeah, it was very emotional. Either that or it wasn't very good. I'm hoping it was just the emotional part. I, I think it was more of the Philadelphia Flyer type of cry, to be honest <laughs> with you, not the Chicago Blackhawks type of cry. Oh, goodness. David, our producer, I know you're a longtime Blackhawks fan. Unlike Joel, you did wake up this morning knowing exactly uh, where you were, but uh, where were you watching the game? And when they finally won, did you kiss your wife or did you go next door, knock on the door, and kiss a neighbor? No, I didn't do nothing. No? I, 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 I was watching the game at home okay. by myself. So, and uh, I was watching it. Uh, I was maybe about seven or eight minutes behind because I, I didn't start watching the game until uh, 9 o'clock. So you were I, taping it like me. I was taping it like you, okay. and I was uh, just fast-forwarding through everything. And I was just starting to watch the overtime when the fireworks started going off in my uh, neighborhood. Uh-oh. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I know what happened. So I got to just fast-forwarded to the end of the game oh, to see what happened. Did? So I did? Oh, what's the point what's the point in watching the overtime oh, if you know how, it ends? how much time do we got you, you, uh, even though you know you they scored a goal yeah it's still it's well, I fast forwarded to see the goal because because no, the, the rest of it was no, meaningless yeah sure it was no, sure david, it was david david sudden death stanley kabaki the blow up coach what stuff was getting blown up in the neighborhood they wanted to go out there and start shooting stuff off himself i don't yeah. blame him whatsoever no, no, no. It's disappointing that they the fireworks, and now you know, okay, in all likelihood, the Hawks did win. But, Big Dog, if you were watching, it's, it's the start of overtime. Sudden death. Game six, 49 years since we won. Don't you want to soak up every single, even though you know the Hawks are in all likelihood going to win. But what David did is he fast-forward right to the goal to me. Uh-uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to soak up and enjoy every single one of those tension-packed seconds. Well, it wouldn't be any tension packed anymore because you realize they had won. I get now it's just yeah, exactly. No, no tension. All right, no yeah, tension. I, all right, I would still feel the tension. I, I mean, it, it would take a little bit of it off it, but I, I'd still got to soak it up. Yeah, I would try to convince myself that there was a Philadelphia Flyer family in the neighborhood, <laughs> and they were celebrating a game six victory, or maybe it was like. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was Slovakian New Year or something like that, and, and, and I would try not to think that it was actually the reason was the Chicago Blackhawk win. Might, might have been one of the Vuvuzelas that were, uh, I guess, uh, 600,000 Vuvuzelas being blown in South Africa to uh, ignite the start of the World Cup. Did you read about that? Oh, those things are the most annoying sound ever, ever. I don't even know what a Vuvuzela is. I'm just going off the reports I got, but apparently huge in South Africa. What are they? Those you, you'll know exactly what they are as soon as you watch one of those games. It's one of those horns that sound like this, <laughs> and the people blow on them. 
Well, apparently it's a pretty cool story. You know, it's all about Hawk hockey. Tomorrow we start getting into the, the World Cup. But um, for five minutes, five minutes, people in South Africa were supposed to come out with their vavuzelas, and all at the same time they coordinated it, where people would blow it to be kind of a uh, tip-off, if you will, to the World Cup. Well, apparently, and read the stories, it's very, very inspirational. The five-minute celebration turned into like four hours. That people totally got swept. And you know, Big Dog, uh, there's some tough times in South Africa. There's some very, very difficult things going on. Not always, uh, you know, beautiful in the world in South Africa. But I guess for a brief moment in time, three, four hours, all political factions, all economic factions, the rich, the poor, everybody in a very inspirational moment got caught up in the vavuzel of fever. And for four hours, people were just going crazy wearing their green and gold and uh, cheering on their South African soccer team. Pretty cool. Uh, no, I understand why there's tough economic times in South Africa. Somebody had uh, four hours to blow a vavuzel. Well, I mean, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. I think it's a pretty cool moment, actually. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, all these different otherwise possibly warring factions coming together, that's, Without getting too sappy, that's that's one of the great things sports can do. It can bring people together that otherwise might not be able to. Like the guy Dragma from Ivory Coast. Thank you, pardon. Do you know his story, Coach? Do not. He's uh, he's like the greatest player ever in the history of Africa, okay. the whole the whole continent. And Ivory Coast is going through a civil war, and he went to the opposing factions like, "Look, we need to quit fighting," and they did. They quit fighting. So, I mean, every once in a while, a soccer player, a footballer. Mm-hmm. And athlete can make a big difference. There you go. And we don't mean to demean that at all. I think that can be significant. One of the great things about sports, Big Dog and the coach with you for about the seven, eight more minutes, just bringing up some little topics that may have got lost while the Hawks were winning their Stanley Cup. Uh, I don't know if you're aware last night, Big Dog, the Country Music Awards were held, and apparently Carrie Underwood was the big winner. Any chance you flipped from Stanley Cup hockey to the Country Music Awards? You know what, Coach? Every time I see her, I carry Underwood. <laughs> Next topic. Okay. Next topic. All right, let's finish it off with uh, a Hawk Talk. And, again, folks, if you're just joining us, uh, any comments you want to make about the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup first time since 1961, a phenomenal game. Hawks win in overtime. We mentioned it was a, a soft goal, a major mistake. I wonder how much flack Michael Layton is getting in the city of Philadelphia here. Knowing the Flyer fans, Big Dog, do you think um, – what could have been a great finish to the season for Michael Layton, do you think, even if they lost, I think he's pretty much a hero, but the fact that he gives up that soft goal, is that uh, going to be the beginning of the downfall, the end of what otherwise was a great story? Yeah, it, it, it is, Coach. It absolutely is. Those people in Philadelphia, they have no conscience. Okay? They, they're, they're not really good fans. This is, these are people that rip uh, Donovan McNabb, saying, oh, you never gave us a Super Bowl. When this guy has carried the Philadelphia Eagles for years, for years. This is the first year he's ever really had some talent around him, at least offensively. And all of a sudden, their defense let him down. It's it's a joke. That the Heat, no matter what this Leighton kid does in the future, they're always going to remember him for mm-hmm. for losing the Stanley Cup Finals. That's just, Philadelphia is like that, coach. Which is a shame because they, it's they a. They boo Mike Schmidt, the greatest third baseman ever. They would boo him. So Philadelphia's a bunch of idiots. And they did not deserve the cup. I hate all the long-suffering Philadelphia Flyers fans. Quit booing people. Quit starting fights in the stands, okay? So, I mean, if you were a Blackhawk fan, you needed to wear a helmet if you went to that game for as much stuff as being thrown at you. So, (laughs) so, I I don't feel bad for Michael Layton because I would be more than happy to be the GOAT in an overtime thriller in the NHL final, okay? Mm -hmm. 
But the, the simple thing is, is those Philadelphia Flyer fans will never let him forget, Coach. So did, did you hear them booing when they were awarding the Stanley Cup and presenting the Conn Smythe Trophy? Yeah. Just booing the entire time. Yeah, they were booing the commission when he came Classless. out to present it. Entire time. Yeah. Classless, David Olson. Yep. Classless. So in this case, the reputation actually um, is well-deserved. All right, let's go out to the phone lines real quick. It's the big dog and the coach. The coach, uh, me, doing the show from beautiful Morton Grove, Illinois. The big dog on his cell phone. And the south side of Chicago in parts unknown, but he's starting to get his bearings, and he's starting to sober up. It's a beautiful thing. Checking in line number 19, it's caller Mark. Mark, how are you? Are you a Blackhawks fan, Mark? Oh, absolutely, Coach. Big time. I I was uh, I watched the '92 series when they got swept in four straight. I remember ah. the '71 series when they it. lost to Montreal, and this is just just fabulous. Do you remember the 1949 game against the Boston Bruins? Regular season game 40. No, Coach, okay. I can't say that. I did. I'm just checking. I wanted to see how much of a fan you were. Big dog, what do you say to an emotional uh, caller, Mark? Congratulations, basically. You know, if you've been watching the Hawks for this long, congratulations on, you know, sticking through. Because, uh, you know, it, it's been tough being a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Don't forget, four years ago, Sports Illustrated ranked the Blackhawks the worst organization in all of sport, of American sports. So all of a sudden, this team is winning the Stanley Cup. It's uh, It's been a, an incredible turnaround. Yeah, caller Mark, where were you? Were you watching at a local establishment in the comfort of your own home? Paint a picture as the uh, overtime. The comfort of my own home with my family, there you uh, go. kicking back, eating some, eating some food, and mm-hmm. just just enjoying the game. I was got, got kind of nervous there towards the end of regulation when uh, Philadelphia tied it up. I I truthfully didn't know whether the Hawks were going to take it in overtime. I think it. I think it. A part of me was almost pulling for a game seven, just so that they could have won it at home. It's interesting because there was. If I had to break it down to percentage, I'm almost embarrassed to admit, but 25% of me was rooting for the same thing, Mark. A, two reasons. A, I wanted to see him celebrate in front of the Chicago fans. B, just as a consumer, I wanted one more game. Yeah. But again, that was only 25% of me. Uh, you know, the, the 75% says they're going to win. Big Dog, did you notice maybe the Blackhawks, even when they were ahead by a goal, I'd say the first... 10 or 11 minutes of the third period, the Hawks stayed aggressive and were dominating play. And I was so impressed. They're not playing defensive. They're going out. They're trying to score that fourth goal and wrap it up 3-2 to two lead. Did you notice at about eight or nine minutes left in the third period, I don't know if it was planned or not, but a complete change in the Hawk mentality. They went into that defensive shell, and all of a sudden Philadelphia started pressuring, and sure enough, four minutes left, they scored a goal. Did you notice it? And if so, do you think that was planned strategy or just um, kind of a team chemistry thing where they started to protect? Uh, Not only did I notice it, I commented about it, and I wasn't very happy about it. This team, like I said, when they play free and easy, when when, uh, when they're being the aggressor, the other team doesn't have a chance. And so the next thing you know, when they're no longer being the aggressor and they're playing not to lose, the Philadelphia ties the game up, yep. you know, with five minutes to go in the game. So, do, you, do you think it was Joel Keenville uh, related, or do you think the players just kind of fell into that trap? I can see how that could happen. I don't know. I can't imagine uh, uh, Kimball being like, no, don't play hard or anything like that. No, so no, no, no. It's not play hard, but you know, I'm sure they have signals for certain strategy where you keep a forward back a little bit. So whatever signal that is, hey, guys, let's go into our X mode. I, yeah, they, they they may have, Coach. Because it, it was a dramatic switch of strategy, it seemed like. 
It really wasn't. This is a team that had played so well earlier in the game. You almost, I know it's that fine line because you don't want to give up a stupid goal because you're being too aggressive. But then again, you know, you don't want to be the one that's taking all the punches either. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a fine line. Coach. Right. Caller Mark, if you could have one Blackhawk player visit your house with the cup, who would it be and who would your wife choose if she could pick one? Uh, I would choose Patrick Kane. My wife would probably take um, probably Niemi. <laughs> really? Yeah. Your wife would take an Auntie Niemi. Well, that, yeah. that, that's really sweet of her because you know he could wear the mask and you know you would she would never know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Just bringing the Stanley Cup to the house, big dog. Nothing else here. You're oh, oh, my fault, my fault. I, I'm, I'm weird. A couple of steps too much further, but. Uh, all right, so caller Mark, after all these years, they finally win it. You wake up this morning, was it as good as you thought it would be, or were you smoking a cigarette, or any any regrets this morning? Oh, no, none whatsoever. It was everything, you know, it was everything that mm-hmm. I hoped it could have been. The the only other advantage of, of it going a Game 7 is that would have given us two less days that we'd have to think about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Cubs win, Cubs win. On that by note, the way, by the way, just want to let you know, uh, I was at the studios, and just to make people laugh, I ran to the window and I screamed out, it's baseball season, <laughs> people go to blackandbluecity.com. That's not funny. Uh, I mean, I, that's, that's the truth. I did. Yeah. All right, big dog, on that note, we got to wrap it up. We'll talk more tomorrow, but to congratulations to the Chicago Blackhawks. Big dog, I hope you make it home safe, okay? Uh, I think I will, Coach. Right now I'm on 71st and King. I think I'm going in the wrong direction, though. 71st and Kane. It's not King. It's Kane today. Oh, they're changing the name. I'm sure everybody in the neighborhood will be happy to hear that. (laughs) All right. Have a great day, everybody. Go Hawks, and uh, thanks for listening. 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.